0: Rob, you have got some topics. You're, you're out there doing your homework for Ruminate, and I appreciate it. You've got two very good topics here in our Ruminate note. It is an extensive note full of at least, uh, I don't know, 12 words, maybe? Oh, well, 13 I mean, words? At, at least. At, at least. least. There's a, there's a link. Uh, there's some bullets. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a highly organized uh, list that clearly took you most of the afternoon and into the evening. It's even got done. an
1: Oxford comma. Um, we do well. You know what?
0: <laughs> you know, Rob. I knew I can count on you for the Oxford comma. I can't. I, you know, I can't say that about everybody in my life. And there are people who don't use the Oxford comma, and I think it's a it's a crime against humanity, really. But you you did it right.
1: So you. I did. I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, go ahead. I well I'll say secret. I have rejected pull requests at work because they haven't used an Oxford comma and I've made oh. them change it. <laughs> oh, boy, boy. You're,
0: you're our kind of people at MacStories. Oh, the yeah. Ox- the Oxford comma is very near and dear to the Mac Stories team's heart. <laughs> it really is. Oh, that's good to know. That Yeah, no, you can't pull this. You can't pull this code. You've you got to get your Oxford commas right. Exactly. All right, let's start with bullet point number one, which is the Stream Deck Plus. Yes. which I think that was announced uh, either early this week or maybe at the end of last week. I forget.
1: Yeah, I can't. I, mean, I think it was the end of last week, maybe.
0: Yeah, I saw this. It crossed my radar at some point. And it, what what piqued my curiosity about it is that it's basically the loop deck, which mm-hmm. is something that I had reviewed probably a year and a half ago now, which was which is a... A more expensive, fancy version of the Stream Deck, but that had dials along the side. And this is a Stream Deck, which I think, if memory serves me, with like 15 buttons up top, a, a strip L- LED screen, not LED screen, LCD screen, and then um, not nah, a couple of knobs and some uh, buttons. So, so
1: I'm, I'm looking at a picture of it now. So it has eight. It has eight squares. Okay. little buttons it then has what oh, is eight. fun? It's it's eight on the top and then it's what is functionally a touch bar of some description and then it has four knobs at the bottom
0: yeah yeah all right yep yep you know what i was describing to you was i was describing something to you which is kind of loop deck's response to the lower cost stream deck it's like mm-hmm. these two companies are coming at it from opposite ends of the spectrum and are kind of meeting in the middle because loop deck has something coming out called the loop deck live s which is very much like this stream deck plus but it doesn't have first of all I guess the loop deck all of its buttons are screens basically uh, touch screens but they've got their uh, loop deck live s, is I think 15 buttons, which is similar to one of the other models of Stream Deck. doesn't have a screen like this, has two knobs, and then I think a series of four buttons. But the knobs and buttons are array- arrayed on the sides of um, of the device. So, <coughs> very similar. It costs $20 more, I think, and is about to come out very soon. I don't know if you order one of these stream decks, if they're available now, but this is $200. I think actually the, um, the loop deck live S is less than that. I think it's 179, which puts it kind of right in between this device and one of the stream decks that has something like 15 or 16 buttons, whatever the, the kind of, you know, standard sizes between the mini and the X, the XL.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it is interesting to see them both sort of, uh, just releasing all these different products, I hadn't actually heard about the the Loop Deck Live S because I feel like even in the last two years, you are still the only person that's mentioned a Loop <laughs> Deck to me. Like I, I haven't, I haven't seen anybody using one on a stream on Twitch or YouTube. Like I haven't.
0: They're nobody seems small. to
1: mention this at all.
0: Yeah, they're pretty small, and in comparison, and I think the reason is partly because they came out of kind of marketing to people using things like Photoshop uh, and apps like that and and some audio editing gear. They weren't geared towards streaming at all and they've been gravitating towards the streaming profile more with its their recent stuff. And the Loop Deck Live S actually was just a, a recent successful Indiegogo campaign. And I think the device is now being shipped to the backers and is going to be available publicly very soon within the next month or so because they actually are going to send me one. I'm going to check it out. I mean, I think for most people, the Stream Deck, one one of the Stream Decks is a better choice just because I think for most tasks, buttons are better than dials. Dials are really good if you're doing photo editing or audio or video editing. They are good for those kind of things. Uh, or if you have you want to have volume controls or those kind of things, but but I think a lot of people who are wanting these for automation, whether it's like shortcuts or or you know keyboard maestro or just firing off keyboard shortcuts, it's um, the buttons are a lot a lot better choice in that sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, I haven't actually bought my Steam Deck yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Stream Deck not Steam Deck, Stream Deck, <laughs> um, just for various reasons, house things, baby on the way, I can't really afford to buy a Stream Deck right now. Yeah, um, I'm kind of glad I didn't now, because now I feel like maybe I would go for this plus one, because I kind of like the idea of the, the knobs for different volumes and lights and stuff like that, so yep, yep. Um, I feel like this is probably the one that's going to go on my list.
0: Probably the coolest thing I did with a, with one of the knobs on the loop deck back in the day was I tied it to the back and forward buttons in Obsidian, so I could kind of navigate through my document history just yeah, that's by turning. Yeah, just by turning the knob, which is really <laughs> neat. And and you, I mean, you could do the same thing with Safari's back and forth. Anything that has because the way I mean, essentially the way they work is is that you know there's one one trigger for turning it left and another trigger for turning it right mm-hmm. and it just increments whatever, whatever the action is. So you can have it. If it's anything that can be incremented like that, uh, it, it tends to work. I don't know if the stream deck has pushable knobs. I know that the loop deck had ones where mm-hmm. you could actually press the knobs then to like get yet another action tied to them. But, um, yeah, it's kind of... I mean, these things are kind of neat. I blow hot and cold on these kind of devices. I mean, I, I do have a Stream Deck under my studio display right now. And I got to say, I haven't used it a lot in the last several months. I'm probably going to dive back in and set it up to do some more things that I that I had set up before. I think part of it is because I change my setup so often with testing different apps that, that uh, I don't know. I mean, the the buttons become become obsolete fairly quickly. But I have at times found, the one app I would say on the Mac that I found it really useful for is Obsidian, only because basically every function in Obsidian can be tied to a keyboard shortcut. And one of the easiest and most reliable things you can have a Stream Deck do is simply to run a keyboard shortcut. And because you can tie profiles to particular apps, when I switch to that app, it automatically changes all my stream deck buttons and I can see the ones that are just for um, just for obsidian but I also have done things like uh, had a quick button for sending it to sending an article on the web to a read later app that kind of stuff
1: yeah yeah so yeah it's uh, like I say it's still kind of thing I want but it's just at the moment it's not I can't justify the you know, 100 150 or 200 pounds at yeah. this point yeah um, for this one so it's fine but it's it's nice to have options
0: yeah and i'm glad that they're continuing to try different things i mean you know it's not none of these devices are one size fit all and given that i think knobs really do come in handy for certain types of activities and so it kind of really depends on what kind of work you do They you know they even have the foot pedal one where you can you can stomp on a on a button, basically. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> and and I think David Sparks actually bought that, which I it's a little bit. I mean, it, it serves a purpose if you are streaming and you you want your hands to do something else. Having a pedal on the floor, whether it's for that or if you're playing an instrument or something like that, it makes a lot of sense. I think for you know somebody who's like into things like shortcuts, it probably doesn't really make any sense other than it's you can say look i stepped on the floor and my shortcut ran and
1: (laughs) yeah exactly so you turn the lights on when you stamp on the floor
0: (laughs) cool tricks with shortcuts i mean i think well that's a whole other story about i think people sometimes get a little carried away with Uh, yeah definitely with with uh, i would call them stunt shortcuts shortcuts mm -hmm. that are that are um make for good demos but aren't really solving a practical computing problem, which that's that's not not to say that shortcuts is not a useful tool, I use it a lot myself, but I do think that those kind of like good demo, not really practical shortcuts do automation a disservice At the end of the Mm -hmm. day, because I think that's where you get a lot of people like, oh, this is just like this nerd thing of people doing this thing that's not really it's more work than it is useful. And and I understand why people come away with that impression sometimes, because you if you watch YouTube or, you know, see some of the stuff that people are sharing videos on Twitter or whatever. Uh, sometimes you're like why why did someone spend their afternoon doing this thing that you could just you know what
1: i mean yeah i, I mean while we're on the topic of shortcuts because i have made a couple in the last sort of month or two uh-huh. as somebody who writes code for a living i cannot stand using shortcuts because all i want to do is just like write an if statement or check this and i'm like and i I gotta learn all these functions like don't get me wrong it works and i can get there eventually um but it feels like learning a completely separate programming language or or not even a language like a complete entire framework
0: Um, yeah it's a different perspective and i think actually when i first started using shortcuts one of the things that i found most difficult was that i did have just enough programming knowledge to find it frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like like the way it handles variables, I was like, well this is not this is not the way programming languages yeah. handle variables. This is this is not this is not this is not right at all. And it's it's actually a lot simpler and a lot more user friendly. On the other hand, if you've kind of been trained in a certain way of thinking about things like variables It's just, it's kind of foreign to you. And it it can actually, the programming knowledge, I think, can get in the way of being good at shortcuts.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And one of the things I found, like, I have a couple that are only for the Mac. Um, You know, I don't need them on iOS. Mm -hmm. All I end up doing is throwing out to, like, Automator or um, AppleScript or or, um, JavaScript for automation because I'm like, I can just write that and I know exactly what I'm doing.
0: Well, and this is one of my big complaints that was in my Ventura review this year, which is I really appreciate that when shortcuts came to the Mac that Apple went the extra mile and incorporated things like all all the popular existing Automator actions and added things like you know, shell scripting and terminal commands and Apple script and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like maybe they're they've leaned too hard on that because one of the problems that Automator always had, I think, is that I would get th- two or three steps into an automator uh, automation and I would be like, Oh, now I gotta use Apple Script and it's like not well documented and kinda hard. And I find myself doing that too often on the Mac with shortcuts where it's like well there's just certain things that can be done by apple script that can't be done by shortcuts and you know if if shortcuts really is the future of automation on the mac that shouldn't be the case and i feel like and i was talking to federico about this recently it's like well it, the one thing that's nice is that my apple scripts with shortcuts tend to be shorter than they ever were with automator but by the same token if it's a short apple script Shouldn't that just be an action then? That's you know, there's you know, it's a it's a lack of growing the library of system system actions for shortcuts, and we saw that was you know one of the things about Ventura, there were no new system level uh, actions added to the library. There were some things added for you know system apps, but actual actual system you know properties and systems like for instance. Did you just connect uh, an external drive or disconnect, you know, mount or unmount a drive? Mm-hmm. Things like that would be super handy. It's like, oh, I just plugged in this external drive. How about do a time machine backup now? You can't do that
1: with no. shortcuts,
0: right? Yeah, and you should be able to. Yeah, you should be. That, that seems like that's like one of those that's like to me that's like super obvious. Um, having an awareness of what peripherals what accessories are connected to your mac and what's going on with them is is pretty fundamental and none of that stuff is in there and i'm very i mean some people tell me i'm too impatient but and i will i will admit that i spend more i've been on ventura longer than most people i've already been on ventura for 6 months almost right so for me it feels like it's been a year and a half since i got the original shortcuts actions, not just a year, but I do feel like they really need to, uh, get out of this mode of fixing shortcuts. So, you know, hopefully it's still buggy, but it's getting better. Uh, they, they need to get out of that mode and they need to get in the mode of expanding it because it really didn't, there's very little news this year with, uh, with Ventura.
1: Yeah. Wow, that was a bit more of a uh, shortcuts rant than I thought we were it was. Get on, it but... was.
0: <laughs> <right>? <laughs> it happens every now and then. I got things on my mind and I don't even know it, Rob. I mean, this is we're getting into the holidays, and heading into the holidays is when I actually take a deep breath and start thinking about things. So that's where a lot of the new story ideas and plans and projects all come from. And I guess I've had shortcuts on my mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know what I've had on my mind because I'm watching a flood of people create accounts <laughs> or at least attempt to create accounts yeah, is uh, Mastodon and MicroBlog and Tumblr. I yeah. don't know if you saw this.
0: Oh, I this know what is, you're going to say.
1: Yeah, is Tumblr have said they're going to implement ActivityPub, yep. which means that you can follow uh, Tumblr blogs through your Mastodon account or on Micro.blog, uh, which apparently is already a feature that Matt and Reese had implemented for Tumblr, but this will be like you know the, the standard way of of doing things. But and you
0: should be able to do it the other way around too. You should be able to follow Micro.blog on your Tumblr too if you want, right? I mean, exactly,
1: yeah. And it should, it would work the same way for Mastodon accounts. And um, since this week, I have found a couple of other implementations of ActivityPub for blogs and, and stuff like that. So there are a few more around. Obviously, Mastodon is, is the largest one. Um, and I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, and I'd, Obviously, we spoke about me using Microdot blog probably three months ago, something like that, a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last couple of weeks, I've sort of been thinking about it more because I'm like, oh, do I want to use Mastodon for anything? And... I feel like if you if you want something that's exactly like Twitter where you know you're you're posting things and you know people are replying and you're having conversations and stuff then like I feel like Mastodon is maybe the way to go for me microdot blog feels a lot better because I can tr- I control all the content like it, it's it's my website I right. could move it off microdot blog tomorrow and it would you know it would still be exactly as it is now um But I've never seen, because there's been a few instances over the last few years of Twitter, sort of, oh, Twitter's dead, or it's blowing up, or whatever. Um, I've never seen this many people move into Mastodon as I have the last couple of weeks.
0: It's been a seismic shift. I, well, I mean, I have a perspective on this of having managed a bunch of different accounts, because I manage the Mac Stories and Club Mac Stories and App Stories accounts, as well as my own. So I can see this across the board, and I watch the statistics, I use typefully, which gives me some analytics about follower counts and stuff. And I mean, I, am not a person obsessing about these things. However, they're there and I do look at them and I can see the day that Elon Musk bought Twitter, there was a significant and noticeable drop in follower counts across every single account. Yes. And the curve was identical on all of them. None of it was like, you know, one particular thing that, that was driving it. And it's not been like, you know, huge. I don't even know what the percentages are. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a ton, but it's definitely noticeable. I mean, I can look at a year's worth of like follower counts for all those accounts and see them gradually, you know, going up sometimes dipping here and there. Uh, but, but on the whole, Kind of gradually climbing over time until October, whatever it was, twenty seventh or whatever the day was, when when there was a significant dip, and with each news cycle where there was something big that happened with Twitter, another dip, and it at right now it seems to have stabilized a little bit because it's uh, Twitter's mainly out of the news for the most part, at least for the last forty eight hours or so. And it's kind of stabilized, but you're right. I think it has been a, a pretty a pretty big impact. Here's here's an idea for you, Rob. You mentioned controlling the site th- and liking that aspect of Micro. Dot blog. What about having your own Mastodon instance that was just you?
1: Uh, do you know? I actually did this previously. So the this was the 2017 Exodus, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did run my own Mastodon instance at that point. Um, and I think if I was going to go on Mastodon again, which I'm still thinking about as I sort of, because more people are moving over now, I'm thinking, oh, maybe there is a place for both of those things. Um, I feel like I would go with my own instance rather than joining, um, one of the big ones. There are a few around that I've sort of got my eye on that are a bit more, they're smaller. They're a bit more focused on sort of web type stuff. For sure. Um, you know, development that kind of thing. Um, but I, th- I, I think my own instance is is, is not a bad um, solution. And previously, I'd paid for it through I think it's Masto Host. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they're closed for registrations at the moment, but I think it's like five or six dollars a month for something that is big enough for just somebody like me, like one person. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Because then you really is is just like your own website. It's kind of interesting that that, that whole concept of doing it that way is interesting to me Uh, because you can do it I mean I'm seeing like for instance one of the things that made me think about it was that I saw that the Tweetbot folks are working uh, uh, they're experimenting with a Mastodon client and one of the things that made me think about it is noticing in those videos that it's pretty apparent that Tapbots has their own Mastodon internal uh, server that they're using that presumably is just for people who who work at at Tapbots and that's kind Mm -hmm. of an interesting concept
1: yeah, that I mean that, that had I haven't really seen a lot of this, so I do vaguely remember a a news organisation. So this was in the two thousand and seventeen Exodus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I remember a news organisation having their own Mastodon instance at that point. I, I for the life of me I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Um but I could imagine for not I mean, I suppose it would work for massive organisations as well, but I could see a scenario where, for example, Mac Stories or you know, Relay or something like that had their own server that was just safe for the hosts or the writers in in Mac Stories instances. Like, I could see how that would sort of give the control that, I guess, kind of what I'm talking about. And, you know, I know you sort of care about this and and I know Federico does as well. Like, you know, we don't want to just be... I don't want to be contributing my stuff to somebody else's profit and i don't think wrong i don't exactly. feel like mastodon it mastodon doesn't feel like that because it's this sort of big open open source project but i still have that same feeling where like i'm almost annoyed that i that there's so much stuff on on twitter um you know that i've posted all at the, although at this point i've made it private so <laughs> only my followers can see it anyway but
0: yeah well i mean the thing is is that if you join one of these big Mastodon servers like mastodon.social for instance it's in that sense it's very much like Twitter where whatever mm-hmm. you're publishing you're publishing on their server i mean it is you know it's still freely open and accessible by everybody on any mastodon server and that's all great but having your own instance gives you control of the content as
1: well uh, yeah definitely and, and and there's some nice things you can do cuz f- for example like some mastodon instances don't allow bots Right. Um, which is a lot of the big ones don't allow bots. Like they're very specific, like it's designed for bots and like mm. you know, image generators and the ones that you know tweet the emoji cowboy. Do you know what I mean? Like all of those weird oh, sort yeah. of bots. Um, so there are bot instances and stuff like that. But if you wanted, you know, again in the example of Mac stories, you know, you have all your writers and then you could have bots that tweet out the links. You could have. You know, i mean you can have anything you want really like you can set up all these different accounts to do different things you can set your own rules and right um, your
0: server your rules which is kind of nice
1: uh, yeah exactly um I, I have i've stopped myself from setting up my own instance yet because i want uh-huh. to i just want to make sure that's what i want to do before i do it again um because i feel like i did one it must have been about a year i used it for um, and then I let the domain expire and I kind of just deleted it all because I didn't really care. Um, so I don't want to jump into anything and like commit myself to using it if I'm not going to. Right,
0: right. No, that makes sense. And I'm I'm kind of torn about Mastodon. I, you know, I kind of reactivated on there. I, I had, it's funny, I think probably from the same era of 2017, I had a Mastodon account. And I actually had the same handle that I had, have everywhere, which is John Voorhees. And I can't get back into it. I, I think I must have deleted the account, but it, but it still tells me that there is an account associated with that handle. So I can't there, I can't get it back for some reason. I've had trouble figuring it out. So I had to switch to J Vorhees, which is fine. It's not a big deal. I, I re signed up. I actually had a terrible time getting it set up, and that's because I was doing it with the the probably the biggest rush about a week and a half ago with everybody and. You know the server was kind of unresponsive, and uh, it wasn't letting people new people in. I had to get in through an invitation from Federico, and and you know I so then I went through and I kind of went adding people. I looked around and I started adding folks who I follow on Twitter, and people started discovering me. And yeah, it's it, it's definitely way more activity than I ever saw when I was there in 2017. And I could see using it. I think it's, I think it's hard to set up. I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of friction getting started, like I, even, and I felt it. I mean, I I kinda know what it's all about and I joined before and I went to kinda reactivate the whole thing I was like, there's this list of servers that are very, very focused and niche and none of them really seemed, none of the ones on at least the Mastodon page seemed to really fit particularly well with my interests. I wanted something a little more general, uh, and and social was on there, but I mean kind of the rest of them were all very, a lot of them were very specific, and I didn't want anything super specific, and I didn't really know what to do, and I, I just, I think the, conceptually how it works is a little bit hard for most people. I mean, it's the totally fine for tech nerds, but I think it's a little, it's it's still a little hard. And it is, I do think that even though it is federated, things like mastodon.social is getting gigantic. And I think it's only natural, right, that people are going to kind of aggregate around whatever seems popular, even if people don't know exactly why they're picking the popular one because they're because it is there's also a little friction like if you want to follow someone who's on a different server it's a little like finding someone you have to make sure you get their exact address and then put it in the search box and it's it, it's a little hard to find people on other servers as a result and so all those things to me make it a little bit a little bit difficult to use but i do think the idea especially with this activity pub having some of these things, having a way for people who are comfortable with Mastodon use it, but also ways for people to use things that are maybe a little u- more user-friendly like micro.blog or Tumblr, right? And being able to aggregate all that stuff in one place and presumably some of these, these Mastodon clients would be able to, you know, maybe we get more, generalize social media apps that can handle anything that works with ActivityPub. And then it, it kind of creates an abstracted layer where a lot of the difficulty of setting the, these things up is taken away and it, and it, and it works a lot better.
1: It, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like one of the biggest, I wouldn't say a problem, but the one of the issues that does come up is, for example, I'm using Market.blog and I follow people on Mastodon. But Mastodon has the concept of content warnings for, for for content warnings for spoilers. You know, people use them for all They use them for comedic effect. Um, you know, <laughs> make you click yeah. on a thing and you go, "Oh, you have looked at this stupid picture or whatever." Um, and those aren't necessarily supported in, say, Microblog or you know, t- I don't know what Tumblr's implementation is going to look like. Sure. Um, so you can sometimes end up in this situation where I'm seeing a post from somebody where it just had some words. Um, and because there's no good there's no standard way to deal with the content warnings like you just need to support it um, at the moment that that isn't supported so it's like oh, okay this is you can kind of see where the, the seams are but mm-hmm. it's still really nice that I can just follow you there I haven't had to rush and sign up a Mastodon account somewhere or you know set up my own instance I can just follow you there um, It. <laughs> I feel like that its biggest strength is also its biggest problem is it feels like it's, it's like RSS, but on steroids. And yeah, I'm not really sure. Sh- RSS has never really taken off outside of outside of people who could explain to you what RSS is in the first yeah. place.
0: It's harder than RSS too, <laughs> which is a problem, I think. Because at least with like RSS app, you, know, you have apps that have come up to, to track RSS feeds. And a lot of them come with some sort of search functionality or directory or way to find content. And I feel like that's a little bit lacking with Mastodon right now. But... I am kind of experimenting with with it. So if anybody is interested in following me, I am Jay Voorhees on Mastodon.social. So I'm not doing a lot over there right now yet. That's mainly because it's the holiday season and I'm coming off being really busy at work. So it, it's not so much that I set it up as a plan B and I'm going to abandon it. It's more that I just haven't had time to really... Get my feet wet and and get acclimated and mastodon. on. I I'm not walking away from Twitter if anybody's wondering. <laughs> at least not at least not yet. At least not yet. But that 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 that's driven more by the work that I do than it is personal stuff.
1: Well, I mean, now I can put it on record now that I am. I'm in mean, my yeah, my account's no, private. Um, I've downloaded my archive. I have an online backup of it. If I ever hit a link and I need to see that tweet. Um, which, if anyone's interested, is hellsite.rnight.me because that's the subdomain <laughs> I went with. Um, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, it was funny actually. I had I'd started a new project on my computer. I'd created this folder. I'd called it Hellsite, mm-hmm. and I'd downloaded my archive and I'd started sort of working through dealing with the JSON that comes from the export. Um, and then a developer called Zach Leatherman, who uh, builds 11 Eleventy, which is a static site generator. Oh, yeah, I've heard um, of it. He then released uh, Tweetback, which is this archiving thing. It literally takes your archive, generates the website, and, and all of that. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Because otherwise I was about to spend hours messing around with this JSON.
0: <laughs> oh, that's really nice. That's good to know. I, I, I got my archive too. I think, uh, when was it? Let's see. As we're talking, it was probably about 12 days ago now. It was on a Monday, mm-hmm. right? It was a Monday that I requested it. Probably the Monday after everything seemed like it could shut at any moment. And, and it took six days for me to get it. It took until the following Sunday. I thought maybe they had shut it down, the service down. Because it, it, it takes a while usually, but it doesn't usually mm-hmm. take
1: six days. No, mine took nine days. Oh wow! Um, and 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 what was interesting was it had tweets that I had tweeted in within that nine days. So I had tweeted something new. So I, oh, interesting. So I, I I don't think it, as best I can tell, it doesn't start the archive, when and then it finishes it. and gets sent to you. Right. I think you just get put in a queue. And, and there's like one guy
0: hitting a button, getting contra- Command S for all these different people, <laughs> creating zip files.
1: Right, exactly. So my last tweet was undone, which was quite nice. Like that was oh, <laughs> yeah, that was is my last good. tweet that before I good. made it private. So I also said some other choice words that I won't say on the podcast. But uh. <laughs> wow, yeah,
0: it yeah, I it took a while to get it. Mine was like one point one gigabytes or something like that.
1: Right. Yeah, I, th- I think mine was just under a gigabyte, but I think you maybe post more. Uh, photos and previews. of do, from articles cause I, and stuff.
0: Yeah, because people like people like the pretty pictures. That that makes them click on your links. <laughs> yeah, got, I, I like. I've got a little. Pictures. I'll admit to having a little SEO in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're a web developer. You know how these things work. Give the people yeah, the, the pictures. So, yeah. yeah use, I do use this
1: one weird trick to with Obsidian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. Every um, now and
0: then, I do do a tweet like that, and I always feel dirty. But I kind of I do it ironically when I do it, and I think most people kind of get it, at least who know me. But
1: yeah, <laughs> but every now gosh. and
0: then I'll do I'll do one of those those kind of ironic, very SEO uh, tweets, and I'll look at those numbers I was talking about in tightly. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. Yeah, that does actually work.
1: Yeah. When we see a listicle on uh, Mac Stories, we know it's all gone downhill. Oh, yeah. You know, all hell is
0: broken loose and Federico <laughs> and I are being held hostage in some undisclosed location. Yeah.
1: That would be it. That would be the canary in the coal mine. As soon as there's a listicle, I'll be like, right, John's in trouble. <laughs> John, John's in big trouble. Oh. Oh, well, anyway, I think we should probably wrap it up or we're going to end up going for quite a while. I think so. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) All right, Rob. Okay. I will talk to you after Thanksgiving sometime.
1: Yeah, enjoy your Thanksgiving.
0: Thanks.